0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. This is Mark Vance. Mark is going to be uh, delivering God's Word today in just a minute, and I want to introduce him I want you to know how great of a day you've uh, picked to be with us. Um, if you're, Whether you're here online or, or you're one of the ones that are here in person, um, that first of all you're going to hear an awesome story of conversion at the end of this with my friend Robert that's going to be baptized. It's awesome. I think you're also, if you're not a Christian and you're exploring who Jesus is, you're going to see a beautiful portrait of supernatural grace in mm-hmm. Mark's message. And let me explain uh, why Mark's here. So we've got a really important conference this week Um, called the Send Summit, where we're gonna be uh, talking about planting, not only uh, in uh, doing college ministry, but planting churches in uh, college communities. And really before I'd ever even met Mark or had been to Ames myself, which which is where he's from, Ames, Iowa, um, that uh, he's a pastor there at Cornerstone Baptist. And then they've started these um, college ministries called uh, the Salt Companies that now it's a Salt Network and all these different towns where they've planted all in the upper Midwest and other places too. But we're hearing these guys planting in college towns and Rashard Barnes, that used to be on staff here, was the first one that told me about it. And I, I went up there personally with Spencer and Ben in, uh, in maybe February or so, right before it all got crazy around here. Yes. And so uh, we've really been modeling a lot of what we're trying to do with reaching college students and then planting in college towns, uh, really modeled it a lot and, and in partnership with these, these guys. In fact, Ricky, you're right here. Wave right here, Ricky. Um, so Ricky told me that he's planting Redeemer Borger, which I guess will be a granddaughter church of uh, Redeemer. And and uh, Ricky, I think you said you heard Mark preach at Austin Stone, and it was while he was speaking. You're like, I'm in. I want to go plant a church." And That's so, awesome. anyway, crazy stuff, man. Um, and I'm really, I'm really excited, and it's a real privilege to have you here today, all the Thanks, way from Jesse. Ames, and uh, a long week uh, this week for you, but appreciate you serving us. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, let me, uh, let me pray. I'm gonna pray for God's word to speak, and um, you're in for a treat with just while we journey through God's word. Lord, would you, uh, would you speak through Mark? Um, would you use his words uh, from your word? that it would awaken hearts to see the beauty of this supernatural grace that we can see in Jesus through his death and resurrection, but also um, the saints would be encouraged and uh, there'd be a a strong appetite uh, for you that would emerge through this. And we pray this in Christ's name, Amen. amen. All right, Mark, have at it.
1: Thanks, Dusty. Well, good morning. Good morning, my name's Mark. I do hail from Ames, Iowa. I'm very sorry about our football team beating you guys. I just need to be honest with this, though. I, Iowa State, guys, not necessarily the sports powerhouse of the Big 12. So when we beat someone like Tech, it's a good thing. When we beat someone like Oklahoma, it's a God thing. We uh, beat Oklahoma in Ames for the first time since the Kennedy administration this year. So Iowa State, not the sports powerhouse of everything, but it is great to be here with you. And I love Redeemer Church. It's, it's an, just a testament to God's grace. It reminds me so much of Cornerstone Church. So Cornerstone Church, uh, just a little background here. We started a church in Ames, Iowa in 1994 in the middle of a cornfield, really with 200 uh, college students and 25 community people. And since that time, that church in a cornfield now. It's a mega church in a cornfield. Literally, it's in a cornfield. We own the cornfield around us that we ran out to farmers. They just uh, farmed it, harvested it last week, actually. And then we, since that time, God, by his grace, we've been able to plant 20 other churches and 21 salt companies all across from Penn State all the way to Colorado State and just about every state in the upper Midwest. And it's just a joy to see what God's doing through you guys here. And I want to encourage uh, y'all today. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up Southern, As a language, I'm attempting at least. There's a lot I don't understand about the South. I grew up in the North, and so there's a lot of things I don't understand. We've hired a few Southerners through the years at Cornerstone Texans, and y'all. And I'm trying to get the y'all thing down. You all people, you folks, uh, call pop coke all pop, and by pop I mean soda or coke. Someone we hired a Southerner, they came to my house for dinner, and they're like, I'm like, do you want anything? They're like, yeah, I'll take a Mountain Dew coke, and I was like. Like, you want me to mix the Mountain Dew with the Coke? That's disgusting. Why would you ever do that? But they meant they wanted Mountain Dew, which is a pop. It's a derivative of the, the archetype called pop, not Coke. We can get it. tea is only to be sweet, especially when it's served at a restaurant with fried chicken. Uh, am I correct on that? Okay, good. Texas is actually a nation, or at least most of you think it is which if you secede from the union, Iowa is in. We may be distant, but we'll bring the corn and the beef. It's gonna be a great partnership. It's gonna be a great thing. And the you versus y'all thing, which I totally understand this. I think you does need a plural form. You can be individual or plural. Y'all would be the plural. So y'all would be like in Iowa, we'd say, hey, you guys or you folks to indicate a plural form of you. Um, Somebody greeted me this morning and said, how how y'all doing? And I was like, I'm doing fine. I don't see anybody else here with me. So you could have just used a singular you. How are you doing? You use the plural. And I don't have multiple personalities. I'm I'm doing fine personally as an individual. But y'all is actually a word I think we as Christians might need. I know this is going to sound a little weird, but in the New Testament, it's really written to y'all, not just to you as an individual, It's written to God's people corporately. Almost all the promises of victory over sin, almost all the commands to holiness aren't just commands to you individually, but y'all as God's people, as God's church. And I wanna take you to Galatians chapter five this morning and show y'all about the supernatural life that God is calling y'all the church to in Christ, the life of God's spirit. And so we're gonna be in Galatians chapter six. I'm gonna go verse 16 to verse 26 so you can follow along with me as I read from God's word. Where Paul writes verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So as we're walking through this, there's going to be kind of two points of your note taker. Here you go. Point one, we're going to just try to walk this through. I want you to see that there is a battle in the life of every Christian. It is a battle with yourself, the battle of the Christian life. But then secondly, I want you to show you the supernatural life of God's Spirit that he wants to work out in y'all. And so let's talk about the battle that's there. You saw it, right? In in verse seventeen, it says, "There's desires of the flesh that are against the spirit. They're fighting it. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are in opposition to each other. This is a war that every Christian is in. Every person who knows Christ is in this battle, and it's a battle within you, with you. It's at a battle of desire. It's a battle of these things that the Greek they're called epithumias. I'm gonna the word desire." It's, it's a two-part word. Thumia means desire or uh, will or want. Epi means over. So a desire here, when it says the desires of the flesh in verse 17, the, you could translate it as lusts, or I, I call it a desire on steroids. It's something I want, but I really want it. I want it too much. It's an exaggerated want. And these exaggerated Desires on steroids come out of this thing called the flesh. Now, the flesh, don't just think of your physical body. It is the part of you that is infected by and affected by the sin curse. It's something that all of us have. The flesh isn't something outside of you. It's not like you got you, the true you, and then you got this nasty thing. No, the flesh is the desires that you have as your real self apart from Jesus. It's who you are. In your natural self, it's not something foreign to you. It's embedded deep within you, and that flesh has desires. In this text, there are four categories that Paul talks about. He talks about, starting in verse 19, he talks about sexual desires, Verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. Those are cultish or religious desires. There are relational desires, jealousy and envy and division. And there are overindulgent desires, drunkenness and orgies. Here the orgies, is not like a sexual thing. It's overindulgence with beer. Think hitting the beer tent for four hours at 10 a.m. in the morning. I don't know if people drink beer in Texas, but they drink it in Iowa, quite a bit of it. We actually had a bowl game in San Antonio, which is in Texas, I understand. We drank all the bush light out of the entire town. That's Iowa, okay? So that would be what is meant by the word drunken orgies, is drinking all the bush light out of San Antonio. These are the desires of the old self. They're the old way of living apart from Jesus. And it says here, that is a path to death. So no matter what a Budweiser commercial tells you about what living it up looks like, that's not a path to life, that's a path to death. That's a path to a life that's not worth living, that you weren't created to live. And those old desires are resident inside of every single one of us. Every single one of us has things that we want that we know Jesus doesn't want us to want. But then, what happens when you become a Christian? God, by his grace, gives you his spirit and he creates in you new sets of desires, the new desires of the spirit that are now against the flesh and you become schizophrenic. You understand what I'm saying, right? Every Christian, you get this. I know that I don't want the old stuff, but I kind of do, but I really, really do love God, but yet I fight against it and you end up, you are fighting with you. You want what you don't want and you want what you want and you don't want you to want what you want. And everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) The new me of the spirit begins to do battle with the old me of the flesh, and you begin to think, How can I be so messed up? I thought I was a Christian. I love Jesus with my whole heart. Why do I still struggle? Can I just, I want to encourage you to just pause here. You know, in Salt Company, I had a a guy come to my office one time, and he was talking about this, and he comes just tears streaming down his face. He says, Mark, I still struggle so much with sin. I don't want it, but I don't know what to do. How can someone like me really be a Christian if I'm this messed up? How can I be a Christian if I struggle like this? I don't want it, but I keep fighting. And here was my answer to him. My answer is, I've never counseled a non-Christian who wet the front of his shirt with his tears over his sin. If you're fighting a battle and losing sometimes, The evidence that you're alive by the Spirit is actually not that you're perfect, but that you're in the battle. You see, the people who have the scars are the ones born again by the Spirit because people who don't fight their sin aren't born again of the Spirit. But people who struggle because they're fighting sin, that's not an evidence you aren't a Christian. That's an evidence you are one. Non-Christians don't hate their sin. People who know Jesus do. And so if you're in the battle, let me encourage you today. If you feel like you have scars from the battle, that's good. That's what followers of Christ feel. But also I want to encourage you, you have to be killing sin or it'll be killing you. That's what John Owen said. There's no neutrality in the Christian life. A neutral posture will coast into sin, not into holiness. There's no such thing as backing your way into following Jesus. You have to choose to go there. And if you choose that, you know what that fills you with is the supernatural hope of life in the Spirit. And that's the second thing I want us to see. Look at verses 22 and 23 again. I want to remind you what Paul says. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. The evidence of the Spirit, the thing the Spirit brings out out of people, it's love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's so much we can unpack here, so much. I'm gonna give you four brief markers of the supernatural work of the Spirit that should be present in people who know Christ. The first thing I want you to notice is this. The work of the Spirit is supernatural and normal. It's like totally of God and it seems a little normal. Note it. Remember, verse twenty-three says it is the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of God living in you, totally supernatural. And yet, the stuffy lists are kind of like, meh. Love, joy, peace. I would expect the fruit of the supernatural spirit of God living inside you is lasers that you can shoot out of your eyes that convert people to Christ, or healings, or something cool, kindness. Gentle? You ever walk by somebody and go, that's supernatural gentleness right there. Gentle people. There's nothing notable about that. They're not printing t-shirts about that. That's not cool. It's normal. It's just, nah. Notice that. The fruit of the Spirit is so normal. Okay, so here's the question I have. If it's very normal, how do you know it's produced by the Spirit and not just a product of your natural disposition or wiring? You felt like... There are some people who are just naturally nice and some people who are just naturally jerks. Like my son, Owen, he's 13. He just is a little wired to be a little mean and does not great on athletics and stuff like that, but not so good in his relationship with his sister who's 10 and doesn't want to hear that she stinks at life. You know, it's, not a, it's just not a good vibe. But now, on the other hand, my 10-year-old, Avery, our girl, I don't know how I produced such a human. I, I'm talking like this. The, she does this regularly, guys. This is not an odd occurrence. She, we're in the dining room. We're getting getting done with dinner, and we're walking out of dinner. And uh, she, she's gonna go play with her friend. She stops before she leaves the room, turns around, looks at my wife. My wife's name is Crystal. She looks at Crystal and she says, mommy, I just want you to know, you're beautiful, you're kind, and I love you. I will miss you every moment that I'm gone from you. I love you. And then she just leaves. She does this regularly, multiple times a day, just walking around encouraging people. She's like a human support animal, literally <laughs> at her school. Kids who struggle with anxiety are allowed by the guidance counselor to pull Avery out of class and walk around the building with her to calm them down. (laughs) She's the single nicest human being that could be produced. But is that the work of the Spirit? Because she's just kind. She's always been kind. How would we know that the kindness isn't just a product of natural personality, but a product of the Spirit? How would we know that the love comes from heaven? Here's a few markers. First is this. The Spirit's fruit, you know it's supernatural fruit, not just natural fruit, when the fruit comes out of season. Okay, so let's talk about that. Out of season fruit. I'm in Iowan, it's getting cold. My wife just texted me a picture, first snow of the year today, 26 degrees when they woke up in Iowa. So what that means is all the trees, the leaves are coming down, it's all getting brown and the leaves are dropping. If I was driving along the road, I looked over, there's a tree, and that tree, it's not getting brown, it's sprouting up green it's just laden down with fruit that would be an out of season fruit you say whoa that's a supernatural tree that ain't supposed to happen so what would out of season fruit of the spirit look like it looked look like love of your enemy that's out of season that doesn't make sense how about this joy in the middle of pain Peace, when you hear your child is wandering from God. Patience, when your boss is a complete tool. Kindness, when you're mistreated. Goodness, when you're degraded. Faithfulness, when no one watches. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit is fruit that comes up no matter what season. And every season we bear fruit because we're in Him. Because the fruit doesn't root out of our circumstance, but out of Christ. Christ. So, anyone can have joy when you're on vacation, on a beach, in Florida. If you don't have joy there, that's not supernatural joy. That's just normal. But joy in the hardest season of life, that's, that's something that you can't just churn up. Out-of-season fruit is supernatural fruit. Second thing is this. How do you know it's the Spirit's fruit? It's because he's producing fruit, not fruits. Now, I just want to show you a grammar problem with this verse. Look at verse 22 again. He says, but the fruit... What is that, guys? We've already talked about you and y'all. That's singular. Fruit is singular, and now he's gonna list some things. The fruit, singularly, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-controls. That's nine things. So if the grammar was right, it would say, but the fruits, plural, of the Spirit are those things. But it doesn't say fruits. It says fruit. Fruit, because he's not talking about individual things. He's not talking, oh, I'm gonna work on being more loving, like this one characteristic or this one characteristic. He's talking about some sort of work in the, by the Spirit that produces loving, joyful, patient, peaceful, f- fruitful people, all of this stuff wrapped together. You know what you realize, right? When you see all these characteristics coming in a whole batch, is he's not just describing random fruit. He's describing what the life of the person of Christ would look like. Jesus wasn't just loving, he was loving and kind and patient and gentle and faithful. He was all of those things all of the time. And so when we talk about the fruit the Spirit brings, we're talking about nothing less than God transforming you who used to be dominated by sin into people who are as happy and holy as Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. He transforms all of your life to look like all of his life. He remakes people born in the image of Adam into the image of Christ. So that we're not just looking here at isolated projects of self-transformation where we become a little bit more kind, but where all of life becomes a little bit more like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit. Becoming like Jesus. Here's a third marker that you know it's supernatural fruit. It's It's persevering fruit. The analogy Paul uses here of the Spirit's work is fruit, not fireworks. Fireworks go up, they blow up, and they're gone. But fruit keeps going. It keeps bearing season after season after season. It is what I call a slow-growth analogy. Slow growth. You notice almost all the analogies the Bible uses about what it looks like to be walking with Jesus, life in Christ, are slow-growth analogies. I used one. Paul already said in Galatians 5, I say walk by the Spirit not run by the Spirit, sprint by the Spirit. Of all of the sports he could have chosen to describe the Christian life, he chose walking, which is an Olympic sport that shouldn't be one. I mean, imagine a competitive walker showing up to the Olympic athlete's village, you know? You had these bulky basketball, players. what do you do? I can jump like out of a gym, dunk a ball. I'm a pole vaulter. I put a pole in the air, I can... Just chuck myself like 20 feet up in the air. It's absolutely amazing. What do you do? I walk for a long time, man. I walk like you cannot believe. I don't think they tell it. If I was an Olympic walker, what do you do? I I train. I'm a trainer. I'm an athletic trainer. I don't do anything. I'm not in one of these sports. Don't look at me. (laughs) It's walking. It's not a sport. There's nothing miraculous about walking, nothing cool about it. And yet, that's the imagery that Paul uses of life in Christ. Walk with Jesus. You know what the Christian life is? I love this analogy. The Christian life is a long walk in the right direction. That's the Spirit's fruit. It's persevering. It's not just a fast firework. It's a slow growth analogy. The slow, steadily chiseling chiseling away of your character so you become formed into the image of Christ. And here's the fourth trait of the supernatural work of the Spirit. It's that the Spirit produces not just Spirit-filled people, but a Spirit-filled corporate body. Not just individuals, but a church. Not just me, but we is remade in the image of Christ. In other words, this passage isn't written to you. It's written explicitly to y'all. Okay, I want to reread the passage properly grammatically. Verse 16, it says, But I say y'all... That is a plural you there. It's hard to see in the English because we write the word you for singular and plural things but it's not written to you, it's written to y'all. I say y'all, walk by the spirit and y'all will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not just written to you individual, it's written to you redeemer church. You church, walk in the spirit, obey the spirit and you won't display the works of the flesh the envying and factions and divisions that characterize the rest of the world, those shouldn't be in the church because we should walk by the Spirit with one another. Jump down to verse 22 and think about it. But the fruit of the Spirit in y'all is a loving church, a joyful church, a peaceful church, a patient church, a kind church, a good church, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. Y'all should be that way. Certainly, you should be that way as an individual, but that's not the direct application of what Paul is saying. He's not speaking of your individual walk with Jesus, but of your walk together with him. It's not just your personal life, it's your corporate life together, Redeemer Church, that Paul is after. He wants y'all to be, y'all, this body, to be the light of the world in a city on a hill. And he wants the world around to say, what would a people look like who were possessed by, transformed by, and remade by the Spirit of God? They would look like a loving people. When the world around tears each other apart and is full of bitterness and envy, they would be joyful and patient with each other. They would always be kind. Man, I would love for Christians to want to be kind more than they want to be right. Kind. Good that Redeemer Church in Lubbock, they'd be known as the people who are gentle for Jesus. They'd be like gentle Jesus who, he, a bruised reed he didn't crush. He didn't crush hurting people. They'd be that the hurting people of this community would think I could come and be in the middle of this people because they'd be gentle. They'd be kind. They'd be self-controlled. What would we say as a witness to the world that needs Christ if in a world so full of the flesh of envy and division and strife if right now the church of Jesus Christ filled with his spirit was the kind and gentle and good and patient and loving people. You know what? We would say the right thing about Jesus to a world who needs him. I want to preach the truth, church. I want the church of Jesus Christ to be right on the scriptures and right on the truth But there's a certain way to live the life of Christ that always has to be manifest no matter whether we're true, right, or otherwise. We always have to be loving and joyful and peaceful and kind. So Redeemer Church, y'all who've been born again by the Spirit of God, y'all who've been made new, it's time for y'all to live the Spirit-filled life as a church, to show the world around you what Jesus is like and to be a witness to his character in a world who needs him. I pray that God would make that so for all of us. So God, I want to thank you first of all for Redeemer, for their witness to the gospel, for their faithfulness to Christ in this town. And God, we, in the middle of times when we look out at our world and we see people on the attack, it feels like, we see people going after each other We want to say and show a different thing about the beauty of Jesus in the way that we speak and live and act toward one another and toward the world. So God, I pray that all of these folks here at Redeemer, that this church would be filled with the spirit and would manifest your fruit to the world. God, encourage people today who'd be struggling, who are so tired in the battle that they just wanna give up. God, encourage them. And for all of us who are here today, Would you remind those of us who've been born again by your spirit that there's a new way of living that we can live in Christ. Help us to begin daily, even today, just to put one foot in front of the other and have that long walk of obedience with Jesus and produce in us, God, would you, a beautiful church for a world that needs it. We pray it in Christ's name, amen.